next on the Calm and Free podcast. Lu Zhang, founder and managing partner of Fusion Fund. That's the part I really love about being VC because it's helping me achieve what I want to achieve and also keep the drive and change the world and create a fortune. But the most important thing is change the world. You're listening to the Calm and Free Podcast with your host, Pooja Model. In this podcast, we deliver timeless wisdom to help you calmly pursue your greatest self and a life of meaning in an ever-changing, fast-paced world. Welcome to the Calm and Free Podcast. Lu Zhang is the founder and managing partner of venture firm Fusion Fund and a serial entrepreneur. She is a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader and has been named Forbes 30 Under 30, a Silicon Valley woman of influence, and one of the best 25 female investors by Business Insider. Prior to starting Fusion Fund, she was the founder and CEO of a medical device company focused on non-invasive technology for the early diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. She received her master's in materials science and engineering from Stanford University. In this conversation, we dive deep into the inner skills that have contributed to Lou's outward success. A product of Inner Mongolia and a child of entrepreneurs, Lou cultivated a fearlessness toward risk and discomfort early on in life. She learned that an airtight conviction to her principles is the most effective antidote to pitfalls associated with ego, comparison, and competition, and the most direct path to contributing real value in the world. Without further ado, Lu Zhang. Hi, Lu. It is really a privilege to listen to your story because I think there is so much inner wisdom and inner skills that can be extracted from your experiences. You are an award-winning VC. You are the founder of the Fusion Fund, which is based here in Palo Alto. I would love to start out by having you just give us a brief chronology of the Fusion Fund from inception to now. Yeah, happy to. First, uh, thank you very much for having me here. So glad to join the uh, conversation today. So as you said, I'm a founder managing partner of uh, Fusion Fund. Uh, so we're based in Palo Alto, a VC firm focused on earlier stage uh, deep tech and healthcare uh, sector investment. We try to empower the founder at earlier stage and also continue to support them with the capital and resources we have. I initially launched the fund back in 2015. So far, we have three main fund under management, invest over 60 companies across the United States. We also so have a small opportunity fund, which leverage uh, more capital to support a founder in the growth and late stage. And this year has been an amazing year for us. Uh, we have lots of fun. Fund two company are in the exit mode. Uh, last week, we just had another major merge acquisition with one of the fund two company I invested in back in 2018. And Fantastic. we also have three company coming up for IPO, which gonna be major breakout company for fund one and fund two, including the first uh, two company I invest in fund one. 
one. They're making billion dollar revenue, make them a super attractive target in the market, and preparing for the potential IPO. I think that's the rewarding part of being an early stage VC. Like we help them at the beginning, we grow together with them, and now with their success, they will also help us go move to the next stage to raise a, another successful fund and also be able to support more founder. It's so exciting、uh, to listen to you, and congratulations on on all of that. I want to talk a little bit about your childhood.、Um, adulthood is so often impacted by childhood experiences. Childhood experiences tend to shape the way we think about ourselves. Childhood experiences also tend to impact our ability to deal with stress. With discomfort, with struggle, and I recently learned that you're not from China. You're from Inner Mongolia, which is more rural, and I think it borders the Great Wall of China. I'd love for you to give us some color on how you were raised and your childhood, and and how it has shaped you thus far. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked these questions because I'm a super proud Mongolian. <laughs> so,、uh, you know, we have a very different culture, and、uh, many people know Mongolian because of the history, Chinggis、uh, Khan, you know, all this、uh, conqueror and warrior in the history, which also resonated with our culture and the personality. Like even for me as a young girl, as a little girl, like、uh, one thing I'm never afraid of is challenge and battle. And when people challenge me, I my first idea is okay, I'm gonna prove you wrong. I think that personality really helped me a lot when I came to United States, went to a foreign country, a different place as a first generation immigrant. Did something really hard, start a company. Then I'm not afraid of challenges, and also I'm willing to take the risk. Meanwhile, I also got lots of、um, this encouragement from my parents. My parents they're from Inner Mongolia as well. They're first generation of entrepreneur. In China, when there's no such a term called、wow. entrepreneurship in China, start from scratch to build their the company. Definitely not in tech sector, in the traditional sector. So was I was able to really watch them from the beginning to the the stage that they established everything, and also see how the personality and the culture we have in Mongolia help they become who they are. One thing is really about not afraid of challenge. Another thing is maintain our personality while are building a new venture. And be authentic ourselves. Even got challenged by lots of other people. I think this confidence of our personality and the culture really helped me a lot in my later stage of the career. Yeah. What traditional industry? What were they in in, in terms of?、Uh, they were in the road construction and a little bit in oil gas. Yes. And what about their parents? Were they also? Entrepreneurs, not at all. Their parents are very traditional family, and even trace back to that year, there's no such thing about private company in China. At that time, so I think this experience really helped me. I I live a very free childhood because they're way too busy to keep an eye on me. So I was able to explore whatever I can. I want to study things, learn things, and go to different places. I always、uh, bluff about. I went to North Korea when I was、uh, nine years old as a representative of the student. You know, go there. And I was able to see a different side of the world, and also travel around the globe with my parents since I was a little. They did not really、uh, want me to only spend time on the classwork. They want me to spend time to know about the whole world, start from the different cities, states in China, and went to different countries in Southeast Asia and the Europe and America. This really opened up my vision, and、yes. also gave me a small idea, plant a small seed in my mind that there's lots of things could be possible. 
as long as I am there to try. Yes. Yeah, which really resonate with me, especially I do appreciate I landed in Silicon Valley back in 2010 as a student at Stanford because Silicon Valley amplify the personality and the, what I got from my original culture. I did not got discouraged because of uh, different, uh, different community culture. Here they also have a similar culture. Also, there's a challenge still in typing uh, discrimination, but I was able to have a. Uh, the place and also working with the right people to gather encouragement to working on my venture. Yes, it seems that you've always leaned into risk, that you've embraced risk. You haven't been afraid of risk, and you mentioned you came here as a student, started in uh, in mechanical engineering at Stanford, and it only took you two years to decide that you wanted to start your own company, a medical device company, and the story goes that you. You had to deal with all the FDA regulators and so much of of that grueling process. You withstood to start start this company. You, in another、uh, speaking event, called it a miserable time frame.、Uh, yes. <laughs> Can you expand on it just a bit? And also, what were some of the life lessons that、mm. you extracted from this very difficult period、mm. in your life that you bring to your work today? Yeah, I think the first thing is really what you mentioned early on: be able to、uh, take the risk to do things like less people chose to do, choose the road less people choose to go. And as a new immigrant and also international student at Stanford, most of my like peer student friends and、uh, they're not considered entrepreneurship at all, even with、mm. the promotion from the school. It's challenging. It's hard. Another thing is, if you remember back in twenty ten, twenty eleven, the main Mainstream innovation was focused on business model innovation, consumer user、mm-hmm. app instead of、uh, hardware medical devices need to go through the regulation. I remember I was in this class.、Uh, by the way, I'm actually majoring in material science engineering,、okay. and we have this program in engineering school that they select a student from hundreds of applicants, and they provide a really great platform for us to talk with VC from successful entrepreneur potentially build our own venture. I was the only one doing a healthcare company. The rest of them are all software app-based innovation. So I think that's the first thing I really、uh, appreciate. I made the right decision. I did not really go with the buzzword, or the so-called trend. I just determined with the opportunity I saw and also technology I own, and also be able to find technology innovation as a super powerful tool. To achieve my personal goal is to be influential and impactful to the world. And also another thing with healthcare is that something not only with great financial return but also great、uh, social impact.、Yes. Uh, I want to do good things. We talk about you know change the world and create a fortune, but most important thing is to change the world. That's kind of my main mandate when I launched my company. It was challenging, as you said. I was 2021 years old <laughs> as a solo founder, start a medical device company, have to learn everything from the Scratch. Learn about the ecosystem. Learn about the go-to-market regulation. Working with the right people. I think if I look back, the first thing I really want to tell myself, I take some time for me to learn. First thing is really,、uh, never take it personal.、Mm. Uh, as a founder, even now as an investor, we typically got lots of no's every day. At that time, I remember I sometimes oh today is a good day because I got some yes. But most of the time, you got no from investor, from a collaborator, from partnership, large corporate. Never take it personal. Will give、uh, myself more confidence and also more,、uh, I would say, objective、uh, perspective to really view the、uh, feedback I got from people. Why they say no? 
It's not yes. personal related. It's really based based on the business. Then I could fine tune my business, fine tune my go to market, make my company in a better position for my next conversation. So、yes. I really appreciate that attitude. Help me, you know, fast growing. I definitely start with, you know, super young founder know very little about the industry, but only have a good technology. Technology is very solid. But quickly, I was able to learn from all the feedback and conversation. Every day, I literally feels like I'm getting more experienced and smarter. That's the part I truly appreciate. Another lesson is、uh, related to what we discussed early on. I think initially, you know, this is the man-dominated industry,、yes. and also、uh, I would say typical will be a white man-dominated industry. So I'm kind of check the uncheck the list. Okay, minority female young <laughs> in a healthcare sector. So initially, I was thinking about I should change my behavior, my appearance to make it more kind of、uh, fit into the. Fit into environment. I did that for a couple of years until later. Probably it was right before I start my own fusion fund. I sold my company and get more confidence. I start to think about going back to the culture, going back to my personality. I want to be authentic myself. Yes, I really don't want to, you know, decorate with the the things that people would expect from their stereotyping. I want now I have my foundation. I want to be authentic myself and also be able to really attract the people work with me because who I am. Yes, which also turns out to be a great success because now with the fusion fund, yes, I started, but I had amazing team around me, my partners, I like the junior team. I really so happy. The reason we could have such a successful, you know, exit company invested is because we have a wonderful team, and the, the reason we could attract all these people is because they were attracted by my authentic, authentic myself, personality, capability, potential, and vision of the fund. So I think that's another probably. Lesson learned later <laughs> during、yes. my during my process. The last thing is really about、uh, how to take the opportunity. I think we're very lucky based in Silicon Valley. There's full enough opportunity. We don't have this opportunity in any other region in the world. Empowered by technology, as you mentioned earlier, fast moving. Uh, the society and the, so technology enablement. So I think for for me the really good、uh, lesson and also good thing I did is、uh, did not really、uh, just、uh, follow other trend. It's、yes. really have my own conviction on the thing I believe on the trend I believe on the technology I want to invest on I want to work on and on the type of people I want to spend my valuable time with. I think, and yes, on one side we know we're gonna live a longer time, but on the other side, I don't have limited time. I always have this theory that I only want to work with the people that we could grow together, and also really align on the vision. And I don't want to waste my time with people that we don't really connect. So I think that really helped me run a super efficient organization as a founder and also as an investor. It's it's beautifully said, and、um, what a great philosophical grounding、mm. um, you have built from these experiences. And I want to touch back on on we were talking a little bit about stereotypes. You've talked a lot about being the constant underdog.、Mm. You've said that before, and you have been through so much. In your life, challenging social norms, social stereotypes, at Stanford in a male-dominated field,、um, as you said, being a thirty-under、uh, founder,、um, starting your own VC company,、um, being an immigrant, you gave、um, a very 
compelling story of when you were traveling to Japan for a business meeting and you were in a room full of men and mm -hmm. they were talking to you as if you were a shadow, mm -hmm. you said. And so many people, men and women, go through these experiences. And I can only imagine that at some point you might have started to feel as if maybe you weren't as capable or weren't as worthy. The self-limiting beliefs start creeping in. How did you overcome those if if indeed that that did kind of occur through through your journey? Um, and and what advice would you tell others? And I think you touched on that a little bit earlier in terms of of being authentic. Um, but could you expand on dealing with self-limiting beliefs? Yeah, I think that's really common, as you said, when you saw certain things you've been ignored, being treated as a shadow in a meeting or by a group, you start to do self-doubt, especially for female, right? Uh, in general, we're not super confident internally, and that may also be um, uh, in the wrong way to add into the self-limited thoughts. I think for me, I definitely had that period as well. I was thinking about what I did wrong and yeah. why they're not hearing, to, hearing me and uh, how could I do things differently. Also, another thing I had is angry. I was super yes. angry why they do that to me. But later I was thinking about, should I waste my time to be angry? I'll just uh, really spend time to find out a solution from my side to their side, how we could change it, try to be more result driven. So I kind of pushed myself to be more vocal and proactively in the conversation mm -hmm. and also talk very I would say, uh, frankly, with my colleagues and also the people who kind of support me at the time, I said, okay, I observe the situation. I don't think that's right. I want to know why. On the other side, I think we have to admit there's a stereotyping. There's not things you can do. The things you can do, I, I can do was quite limited. So I'm very glad to see the world are changing very fast in the past couple of years yeah. in terms of people start to realize some of them have unconscious bias, unconscious stereotypes. And it came for a reason because we use labels, try to recognize the world as the most efficient way. Then another thing is really talk about the numbers to help people uh, realize their stereotypes and also be able to change their mindset. We're very lucky in Silicon Valley, I think people are more yeah. result driven. So with lots of data presents, we're able to change that. For example, one thing I start talking quite often when I talk with investor, even founder, it's about the number we saw from the founder we work with. For example, used to be a certain profile the founder was preferred by the VC. But now if you see the ratio of the unicorn founder, more than 60% of them, they're minority and the immigrant. Wow. Yeah. And if you look at recent public listed wow. company, lots of them minority immigrant as well. If you look at performance of the female-led organization, VC firm, or even the uh, ventures and startups, you will see a pretty productive and efficient improvement, clearly, when they have a diverse team. So I will try to show this data to people. People may have different reasons for their bias and, and also stereotypes, but see, this is a result. If we want to have a more efficient organization, better business result, better financial return as an investor, we need to promote diversity. It's not only for social impact. It's not only the right thing to do. That's also the smart thing to do. I think that kind of resonates with people better. Another thing is really from the, there's the approach of uh, bottom up. There's also approach of top down. For example, another experience I have is uh, for lots of companies I see it as a board member. 
unfortunately, still the only woman in the room. And the good thing is we start to have women present on the board level, which is the, really the top level who make lots of decisions for the organization. But I now I'm recently uh, engaging with Katia and also KPMG for the initiative to push for not only the second woman in the room, we want to have at least a one third our minority female. Then, you know, we could fundamentally, that's a magical number to change the culture and the structure of the boardroom and then top down be able to pass along the mindset to the organization. So I think lots of things need to be done by both sides in yeah. order to really uh, improve the awareness. Yeah, really well said. You know, Tony Robbins describes success as being 80% psychology, mm-hmm. 20% skills, mm-hmm. 80% psychology. What is your take on that ratio using that lens when you're evaluating the potential success of founders who come to you? Mm-hmm. I think it's also related to what we talk about early stage investments, partially art, partially science. And there's lots of logical analysis. That's how we do our due diligence in terms of uh, evaluating all different type of risk. Early stage companies are about risk. There's no company at the beginning is perfect. Like everything is a fixed no. There's a technology, market, market timing, size, execution, founder, exit, all different aspects we need to evaluate the risk. And that's the part of the comprehensive due diligence. Another part is go back to us, our strong conviction on certain type of technology, industry application, and also the, the founder, whether we have strong conviction with the founder. So I think that combined together to help us decide whether we work with this founder, whether we're the best investor to support the founder. And another thing is, uh, go back to what you mentioned, like how, what type of founder we found they could really be successful, you know, not necessarily the smartest one. Right. Sometimes it's the most persistent one. The one could really hold on there no matter going through upturn, downturn, especially during the COVID. We saw the founder, they're so, have very strong uh, capability of uh, being versatile and quickly change the structure of the company, adapt to the changes, and also have the strong leadership and conviction. Meanwhile, persistency will be able to be the survivor and ultimate winner. So it's not necessarily the smartest one will be the successful one, but the most persistent one, definitely that's a key. And also the one with a strong insight, with a great vision to really attract lots of other talents drawn on board to make this company successful. Yes. You are clearly a talent. Um, I've heard you say in the past that you really know who you are. And I think over time, as as we all age, we we get to know ourselves better. How would you describe your capability of evaluating founders and your strengths in doing so? Yeah, I think one thing is really related to what's happening right now in the market. Uh, past 20 years, lots of conversations about uh, business model innovation based on the internet period. Now this trend is really about the digital transformation in the traditional sector and tech sector. It's not only about tech industry anymore. And also healthcare, COVID really raised the awareness of why this is important. 20% US GDP, this I call the AAA problem, accessibility, affordable, accuracy, which all could potentially be fixed or resolved by the new technology integration. So I think with this trend, we definitely have strong niche. Me personally have strong niche versus really the technical background. Understand not only technology itself, understand the stage of the technology, 
where to do this integration. The second thing is really about understanding the life cycle of the deep tech and the healthcare company. They have a very different life cycle compared with consumer company. The understanding we have will be able to better support a founder, even resonate with founder and be their trust partners. Another thing is uh, we build a very comprehensive portfolio support. Early stage VC is never about only capital. It's also about the resources and the connection we could bring in. Another new partner we have last year was a former CTO of HP, Xing Wang. Mm-hmm. And not only we have former entrepreneur in the team, we also have a strong expert in the team with a large corporate experience, which enable us to better support a founder with go-to-market since their clients, most of them are large corporate. I also have the CXO network, which I launched since 2017, 2018. Now we have over 40 members are from a global 1000 corporate. They're either CTO or CDO. Wow. You know, this is a very special angle because we don't work with a CEO. Our CFO work with a CTO, CDO, who are the cheerleader internally, try to push for digital transformation, fight a battle on the boardroom, and they need resources. They need knowledge. They need an industry research report. They also need a company they could present to the board to do the integration will become the resources. All these yeah. things we build along the past couple of years. And also this year, we'll launch another uh, recruiting platform to help wow. founder find the right talents. Uh, make myself, make the whole fund be more attractive to the founder when they're choosing between different investors. Mark Twain once said, comparison is the thief of joy. Uh-huh. <laughs> we live in <laughs> we, right. We live in Silicon Valley, and it, it would be an understatement to say it's competitive here. And competition, often, if not always, creates comparison. Yeah, it's just the nature of, of the game. How do you deal with? putting blinders on, you know, when when you are trying to compete, but at the same time, trying to prevent yourself from comparing your VC to another VC. How do you keep yourself focused on your process and uh, kind of ignore the other paths that other people might be taking? Yeah, I think the first thing is really about still go back to what we talked about early on, the strong conviction on what I really want and what Fusion Fund really want and what we want to build here for ourselves and also for the founder, which also give us, a, it's like a doing a startup. It's, I think it's important to compare yourself with others to, to just check in, whether I'm uh, slower than others, whether anything others do better that we could learn from. But on the other side, have a clear vision of what we want to achieve would make sure we won't just uh, chase the, the trend, our buzzword, and uh, kind of change our roadmap just because of others do so. I think that's the thing, at least from the beginning, is in the culture of fusion, like, we just uh, want to stick with our conviction. We do lots of research work ourselves. Like we met initial as a think tank. We also was considered as a think tank in VC. We do lots of initial fundamental research ourselves in order to help us uh, build on top of the conviction. I think that's very important part. Yeah. And obviously in this industry and increasingly in other fields, the, the need to appear successful in the eyes of potential founders or people who want to work with you is very important. How do you deal with this aspect of the business, the self-promotion aspect without allowing it to fuel your own ego? 
Yes, I think that's a very good question because,、uh, as you said, it's a super competitive market. Now with all this、uh, social media, different new platform, we also see VC are doing lots of uh, uh, media exposure and、uh, promotion, podcasting, in order to attract attention from the founder. We definitely also spend time try to、uh, promote our brand and also be able to. Better expose ourselves to the broader funder, not only Silicon Valley across the United States as well. Now we have forty percent of company outside the Silicon Valley, but on the other side, I think our approach is、uh, we mainly talk about perspectives and insights. And every quarter we do industry research report, and the industry research report will generate an article. That's the thing we kind of promote on different media platform. We want to bring valuable knowledge to the society. We're sharing the knowledge and perspective and insights, and to create the value to the people who are looking at our promotion material. We're definitely also gonna mention our company, our investment thesis. But it was surrounded by all the industry feedback and the insights we provide to the society. On the other side, we also use that approach to attract the similar mindset of the founder came to talk to、mm. us. And not only for the thing we publish on different media, even for like for me, I speak on different conferences. I went to Davos conference. I was in the FII in the Saudi last week. So when we're in different panel, yes, we briefly talk about the fund history, the investment, and my personal story. But the main focus is really about technology perspective, industry perspective, and the best practice we saw. Give you a couple example. Like last、uh, last week, I was in FII, the Davos in the Desert conference.、Mm -hmm. The panel I was at is. The cybersecurity in the digital world. It was really timely because we just had a cybersecurity Kubernetes container security company was acquired by a public company, give us really good return in three years. For early stage, that's really good IR and multiple. So we were talking about from this company, also broader how the cybersecurity solution should be integrated into the、uh, large corporate and the infrastructure. Another thing we kind of I kind of talk a lot about on the panel is really about the、uh, regulation. Like a data regulation related to the cybersecurity, what are the technology solution available for regulator to consider to help them do their work better? So that's our approach when we're trying to build our brand. We want to be seen by people as an industry expert. When they saw me, they saw Fusion. Even go back, for example, I went to J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference every year as a speaker. 2017, we published the industry research report called AI in Healthcare、mm. in the conference, and also. But proactively push for awareness of、uh, investing AI in healthcare, not AI for others, but AI in healthcare could leverage the huge amount of、uh, high quality data, show the capability of AI, and solve the healthcare problem. Actually, before the COVID, I was on another panel in JP Morgan, and、uh, they were talking about the best practice for AI in healthcare startups. And there's other investor told founder, okay,、uh, don't go through FDA, directly go to consumer, etc. I directly jump in to talk about the best practice we saw. Why it's important for AI healthcare companies to work with regulator to get that validation, then could fundamentally integrate with a healthcare system. How to do that? It's not just about oh you should do it. Like how to do it, enable in order to really enable both sides. Then the company could really grab this twenty percent US GDP market. This is how we really handle all this. As you said, the. Uh, promotion, the branding side, then let people really connect us with the industry expert instead of just only talking about the story, or just the, the fun promotion. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to end by talking about、um, a quote、uh, from Martin Luther King Jr. 
He said in a sermon in the 1950s that if you can stick yourself to a mission that is beyond yourself, greater than you, life becomes so much more exciting, so much more meaningful, so much more purposeful. And I know that you have a wish for Fusion Fund to be the best it can be, but beyond yourself and Fusion Fund, what drives you? What drives Lu Zhang? Really drives me is really I want to make an impact in the whole world and make a world a better place. It sounds like a simple naive, but that's that's really the thing being driving me. People was talking about, oh, you were hardworking when you're a founder. You're an investor. You're super hardworking, super past schedule. Why? Because I was so, I feel I'm so lucky find the technology as a tool, as a channel. VC investing as a different channel now who empower so many different technology to be potentially impactful to the whole world. Let's also go back to our conviction for the type of company we invested. You can see the type of company we invested, as I mentioned early on, they have great technology, not only create financial return, great financial return, but also they make a world a better place. I think that's the part most rewarding uh, to us, like the healthcare one, like they're really helping us capture the cancer early on. Recently, I spent lots of time in neurology disease with a global aging population, how we could really think about the technology help us capture dementia as Hammer much earlier on. With lots of industry, digital transformation solution, we invested edge computing, cybersecurity. We could make a world more secure place where we benefit from the technology innovation. I think that's the part I really love about being a VC because it's helping me uh, achieve what I want to achieve and also keep the drive alive with me. And uh, that's the thing, go back to what, what I mentioned, change the world and create a fortune, but the most important thing is change the world. Another really good part about being VC is the versatile of the type of the people I could talk to and work with. Even I think lots of this uh, experience, knowledge, and company we invested enable me even be a contributor to other organizations. Yes. For example, I'm a young global leader with Davos Conference, and they have a really powerful platform to drive awareness from different countries, a leader from different countries, how to trade technology. I was able to really share what we saw in the you know, Silicon Valley. This is the most frontier uh, technology innovation happen, and technology could become a tool for them to think about their own country's uh, data regulation and the governance of technology, how to leverage technology to make the society more efficient and healthier way. So I think all of this um, make me feel very passionate every single day working on my life, working on my work. Another thing is it really enable me to attract lots of great people to uh, joining Fusion, we doubled the size of team last year, actually, during wow. the COVID. Yeah, be able to build a better uh, a VC firm and also supporting better founders. So I want to be a bridge between cultures. That's yeah. kind of resonated with my uh, background. I'm a global resident. I was from Inner Mongolia and in Silicon Valley. My parents live in Canada. I travel around different places. It's kind of surprising. Even like last week, I was in Dubai and Saudi. I was quite fascinated by things like how much things changed already in the past two years in the place. So it's interesting that with so much technology platform, we still have lots of misunderstanding between cultures. Yes. I kind of feel like technology is a neutral tool. And it's also a very good angle for me to use as a penetrate angle to get to know different culture, different people, and use it to bridge different culture for people to reach common understanding. 
I think with this world now was the polarized world, no matter within the country globally, this political tension is more important for the private sector, for individual that we could have the mindset of a global resident and the bridge uh, between different cultures. Yes, yes, and your your seat provides those opportunities. What is your definition of success? My definition of success, I think, is really、um, create a value for the people I really care, and also create a value for the world I really care. I think that's the thing I simply defined as a success. It's not related to the money. It's not related to the social social status. It's really about we're not only taking, we're giving back, we're creating value, and make others' life a better place with the people around my life a better place. I hope you found value in that great conversation with Lou. You can follow her and the Fusion Fund team at their website fusionfund.com, and you can find them elsewhere on social media. Thank you, Common Free listeners, for taking the time out to be here today. We really do value your attention, and if you feel like this content is helping you cultivate the skills you need on the inside to find more calm and freedom in a fast-moving world. Please drop us some stars. Every star and comment helps us continue to serve you. Special thanks to Charlene at GoTo Productions, Jessica Panian for graphic design, and Sufi Kaur for social graphics. Please share this wisdom with someone you love. <laughs>